0: I.V.M.
1: Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar.
2: Today, I have Professor Neelkan Chaya with us on Audio Gyan, architect, academician, and thinker. Nilkan Chaya has researched and worked extensively in the domain of appropriate architecture for India. He has documented places of historic significance and authored numerous critical papers. He retired in 2013 as dean of faculty of architecture at SEPT Ahmedabad, after 24-year teaching surgeon at the school. I'm going to add a like lot of show notes, uh, lot of links in the show notes below. Um, so I welcome Nilkan sir for giving your time and. Uh, yeah, it's it's a real honor to have you on Audio again.
3: Thank you very much, uh, Kedar. It's really nice to talk to you and discuss things of mutual interest. And sure. I've been uh, watching what you're doing. And I think it's very, very interesting, all the kinds of things that you're discussing.
2: Thank you, sir. Thank you. And and also before beginning, uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Ruturaj Parikh from Matter in Goa. Uh, for introducing like brilliant minds like you uh in the world of architecture and education. And uh, like a quick shout out to even Ayaz Basrai, whom I interviewed uh, in episode number 104, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he recommended documenting you because uh, he referred to you in the conversation. so yes, yeah, it's, both
3: it's, of them are very good friends and they really are um, doing so many things which are of great importance. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. So this, uh, the premise of uh, this conversation, or I would rather say like a question answer, because I'm just going to be like a mediator to ask questions and, and document your thoughts and ideas. Uh, The premise is around uh, standardization. Uh, Now we can take it in the architecture contest or art or uh, culture at a larger context as well. Mm. And uh, try and see where there is synthesis. And typically, a lot of Uh, articles or podcasts can be designed around what it is or uh, the the advantages of synthesis or the disadvantages. I'm trying to do both so that we can possibly arrive at uh, the synthesis part of it. So I'll I'll start by asking you, sir, what, what according to you is uh, standardization? And uh, where do you see it happening uh, at large? And do you see it happening in architecture also? Hmm. Um, or, or design at large, whatever uh, comes to your mind. And yes. I'm sure you must be thinking about it, looking at the cities being homogenizing uh, and landscapes looking the same. Hmm. So, But yeah, feel free to abstract standardization as a concept as well. I think, uh, first of all, we have to differentiate
3: between uh, standardization and monotony. Uh, monotony is something which comes with Um, excessive repetition of exactly the same form, irrespective of either uh, context or use or uh, preferences and so on. Standardization should really be uh, looked at somewhat differently from monotony, I think.
0: Um,
3: Standardization, even nature, Uses uh, a kind of method of not having to invent, reinvent the wheel every time. Uh, atoms, for example, are a kind of standardized element or cells and so on. And in nature, you find that. Every tree, for example, uses the same formal principles. Every tree of the same species uses the same formal principle, but varies according to context. So a tree which is growing in sunlight, which comes only from one direction, will tend to start growing towards the sunlight and it won't go, grow straight up, and so on. So there is standardization, uh, which we can see as a kind of method of reducing unnecessary labor. That's one way of looking at standardization. Um, human cultures too standardized things very early on. Harappa and Mohanjadada were famous, the Indus culture was famous for having standardized both brick dimensions uh, so that there was the same kind of brick throughout that culture, same dimension, same kind, Uh, weights and measures, so that they were able to do many things uh, across that very large civilization. And it gave them the capacity to uh, make exchanges to make uh, so many uh, uh, tasks easier. So standardization is something that was used even before that, perhaps. If we look at the way the, uh, the stone implements were made, there were certain two or three kinds, which then became uh, the main kinds. Now, that was a standardization without sameness. It Mm. kept the function in mind. It kept the material in mind. It kept the method of working the material in mind and found the easiest techniques. And those processes were then continued was standardized. So uh, there can be a standardization of process or there can be a standardization of product. However, with the coming of mechanized production, standardization took a somewhat different turn. Uh, The early mechanical uh, production systems worked best when large numbers of exactly the same product was to be made. It was economical to uh, devise techniques, processes, and machines which made exactly the same kind of product. And it was not possible to get any variation between them. And with that, there is a change of mindset which says, Everything, anything that does not exactly fit the standard is a bad product and is to be thrown away. And so you start getting the idea of absolute precise sameness continuing across thousands, even millions of products. Um, so with that Standardization uh, of the things came also an idea of trying to standardize human labor and trying to standardize ways in which human beings work and even trying to standardize the ways in which they should preferably respond. So it came into An area where there is uh, the the distinctiveness of both uh, animal and plant and human living stuff is that no two are exactly the same. And there will be uh, either accidental or specifically devised differences. And when you take away the differences, then you start finding that uh, you create friction. You create um, lack of uh, responsiveness. So the good thing about standardization was that it reduced the amount of um, uh, work that you had to do in order to find some way of doing something. In this post-industrial phase, it became a burden because um, you started imposing that mode of thinking onto so many other things. So one is that um, there are some things, things in particular, especially tools or processes of production that can be to an extent standardized. but There are some other things, such as uh, human preferences, which cannot and should not be standardized. And the more diversity there is, the better it is for the survival of every species, so that species in reproduction keep on producing um, different combinations, which are slightly different one from the other or sometimes markedly different. And this is is something which is um, germane to to living phenomena. So when life comes into question, then the the idea of standardization becomes somewhat uh, less useful. Uh, Now, there is a second factor, the scale at which you standardize. Let's say you want to build buildings and you standardize bricks dimensions, as the Romans did, the um, Indus civilization did. Every every civilization civil, uh, um, uh, standardized some small object with which you can then, by Uh, putting them together, you can do more things. Hmm. But look at the the buildings that they made. Every building was different, responded to its its context. It had a range of uh, articulations. So the smaller the scale at which you standardize, at the scale of the component or at the scale of the sub-process, then the more is the chance for you to be able to take into account differences. And therefore, standardization at large scales, like, for example, what happened to city building in the uh, Eastern European uh, cultures, in Russia and Eastern European countries, where they went in for standardizing housing in a big way. And that created, and then, of course, in the West also, after the Second World War, there was a standardization and a use of industrial production to create housing. But houses, every person wants to have something which is particular to himself and his family. And it creates a sense of of belonging. So when you started standardizing that object, If it did not allow for the user to personalize it, then it became a problem. And therefore, uh, modernism in architecture was much criticized for standardizing those things
2: which should not be standardized. Mm -hmm. So, is it fair to say that um, standardization at a micro level... Uh, Is beneficial. I mean, if we cut on that axis when you take when you talk about scale,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally, uh, in my experience, it is useful to standardize at a micro scale and problematic to standardize at bigger scales,
0: Hmm. and
3: Hmm. um, even the production of things and buildings, and works of art should involve a range of people, each with a different way of working. And so, for example, if you had a neighborhood in which there were 200 houses, and if you had 20 architects designing, using the same material, but 20 architects, you will get a better neighborhood than... uh, a neighborhood in which only a, one architect was working, because there's a limit to how much differentiation the same mind can bring. But you can have the same materials, the same micro processes, the same micro elements, and you can still get every every designer could then design different or somewhat varied uh, things.
2: Sure, sure. And uh, are there any insights i mean this clearly indicates that standardization as a if if used as a process can bring scale mm. but um, there are downsides which we'll come to that later but then how true is it in design i mean how important is scaling uh, or or bringing standardization for a developing country like us mm. because what happens is uh, i mean this has many repercussions in and and percolating down till the Primary school education, say, abhi, abhi tak. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, we'll start off with like few things and then go uh, into the education aspect. So how? Uh, then what is like? Is there a clear cut milestone or a threshold after which standardization is not recommended? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no.
3: I think you have to look at um, um, scale also has to be looked at in different ways. Hmm. Uh, Normally, nowadays, we think that scale can only be achieved with centralized and unified production systems. However, look at, for example, um, kitchen vessels. For hundreds of years, our craftspeople, in every geography of India, have been producing huge numbers of uh, similar vessels. Mm. There would be difference from this shop to that shop, little bit size difference, but not much. There may be some uh, craftsmanship, quality difference, but not that much. So, If you have hundreds of small people creating something which has been accepted as a good result and which has evolved over a period of time in a culture, then you can have the same scale effect. You do not need to have large scale industrialization as the only route to or large-scale standardization as the only route to, uh, to uh, uh, scale, achieving scale. And this, I think, you will see in all kinds of things. For example, we have just look at milk. And before the big dairies came, Everyone used to get milk at their doorstep and there was a a system which made this possible.
0: Mm.
3: So, the the design of systems has uh, suffered due to overemphasis on centralized production. Now, especially with the new technologies, it will be easier and easier to decentralize design as well as production. And all processes will have the participation of so many different variable so you can have. Um, uh, for example, the internet is an excellent uh, thing. It started as just as a platform which Thousands millions of people have have uh, 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 access to and and they have they have tailored it to their mm. own needs using the same computer language mm. so the language is standardized or the the parameters are standardized, but not the
2: product wow and still so you have so much scale Hmm. quite interesting. But it's very difficult to, so in different contexts, uh, it will change, but it's difficult to spot the the periphery or the boundary where standardization is recommended and post that standardization is not so um, uh, advocated, right? Uh,
3: yes, but you see, the thing is, um, those things which work well become mm. common in use,
2: Mm. So, it's organic, you're saying. It's, it's uh, I, think, I
3: think that you have to keep on producing, understanding needs, understanding materials, understanding the impact on the environment, understanding livelihoods, understanding all kinds of such things. And you have to keep on modifying some few things. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. And... Mm through that you will throw up different solutions of which some solutions out of a hundred solutions, maybe five will become commonly used and maybe some two or three may be useful 20 years later or 10 years later. And so to keep on producing a diversity of potentialities is very important. But um, Large-scale production prevents that. You see, if if you want to produce 1 million spoons, let us say, per month, Hmm. you've got to design the spoon completely. You've got to design the factory completely. You've got to make the workers do exactly the same things. And that approach, which says, I will produce in one place so many is itself problematic if on the other hand, you said, well, we need spoons. If you produce spoons, I'll buy them. Hmm. and well, I need something which is like a teaspoon, not like a tablespoon, and it should have three milliliters of water in it when I hold it, say, for example, and then. Uh, so many people will come up with things. So I think that um, the it's it's also something that people get a great sense of power when they centralize things.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Whether it is in politics or whether it's in social life, that is what people want to do. They want to centralize the the people who want power. But the people who do not have power, they hate. This decentralized notion; they want to have uh, agency on their own, and this is something this th- which is the struggle going on in the world right now. Small mm. types, small people want agency, but the big guys like Google and Apple and Amazon and all of those are trying to stifle them. And I think that is where the idea that you could Um, They have even taken the idea of um, non-centralized production and marketing and they've tried to cannibalize it for themselves. And I think this is where one has to be a little more aware of standardization, not just as an industrial or a production uh, process that allows scale, etc., etc., but one has to look at What does it do to society? What does it do to people? Does it make people uniformly uh, addicted Mm -hmm. to the same things? Mm -hmm. And does it make people unable to think? Does it make people unable to have agency to decide for themselves? And I think the major problem with standardization is when it gets centralized in few hands and creates the conditions
2: for endless consumption. Hmm. I guess, um, I mean, like, I'm very intrigued to ask the education bit of question, but just I'm holding my uh, thought. And so, what you are saying is more towards uh, the Mahatma Gandhi's philosophy also of having more like a decentralized thing right and and it is because of the Indian context or uh, you are talking about uh, at a global world, world scale
3: over, world over now this is being realized the hmm. fordist manner
2: is okay. and, and and this is because it kills ingenuity also
3: yes but, if watched, you
2: have to highlight what is the biggest trade-off for bringing standardization hmm. uh, what would it be it's it's
3: Well, standardization, if you are producing centrally and industrially, brings down costs. Mm. There is something called the economy of scale. But that too, countries of the Far East have known how to do this even without centralizing production. Mm. And they have worked out ingenious ways in Japan, for example there there wasn't the same fordist principle you know uh, ford when when he set up the assembly line came up with one model of production but there could be many other models of production and in the in the eastern societies or even in the west i suppose i wouldn't like to make the distinction between east and west but there are societies which were organized in a different way for example i was reading a few weeks ago um, a book on uh, the history of uh, uh, the in history of the east huh? and it's mm-hmm. called it's a book called the theft of history and in that he gives statistics of how how much textiles India could, was producing and exporting
0: before,
3: mm. uh, before mechanized production came. And mm. the figures are astounding. You cannot believe that there was so much production and it was all decentralized. In the same way, you look at, for example, our food, look at vegetables, look at wheat, look at anything that has been produced on Earth. Before the industrialized model came, there was still very, very large amount of production. And it is not necessary for you to have a uniform and centralized production. In fact, the ills of it, for example, we know the ills of um, Uh, agro-industry, heavy use of uh, pesticides and fertilizers, of the depletion of soils, of the kind of uh, uh, quality of taste and nutritive value of all the products, etc. We know that and yet we believe that's the only answer, which I think seriously has not been tried out in any other way. In the same way, if you look at everything, anything human, Mm. you look at language. Language is par excellence, a product of standardization. But standardization with so much freedom. I can use a sentence. You can understand the grammar. You can understand the words, but I can frame the sentence in the way I like or I wish to at this moment. Beautiful. If you try to standardize the sentence formations, then you will get a loss of a certain kind. Nobody will be able to write creative writing. It has often been misunderstood that creativity means lack of similarity or lack of coherent and understandable typology. It doesn't mean that. In the same English language, or Marathi, or Gujarati, or Urdu, or Bengali, whatever language, such a great range of literature is available, from instructional manuals to great poetry. The same language, same grammar, same words. So what language did was to create small-scale standardization and left it open for people to use in different ways. Now, there are people who become uh, uh, sort of guardians of language. Mm. And they will kill it. For example, there are so many words which we have adopted from other languages. Just take a simple example uh, like Dawa. I Mm. think it's in most Indian languages, but it comes from Arabic. Mm. And um, so we freely adopt words. We freely change grammatical uses. For example, a few years ago, when you ask somebody, how are you? Nobody would say, I'm good. Now it has entered the language and language is constantly evolving. So that is the beautiful part of, of a human standardization, that it is open and it is able to uh, adopt and reject freely. And mm. that goes out When there is a centralized, suppose there was a language factory, which was producing language, which you had to buy and use. Mm, Very,
2: very (laughs) scary, very (laughs) scary thought. (laughs) Very scary
3: thought. But that is what uh, is, we don't realize it, but in the world of art, in the world of um, uh, everyday products, in the world of clothes, all of this is happening. And we are, Mm. we are being told that we ought to abide by that, which I think is something which has to be observed carefully. Now, you mentioned Gandhi. Mm. He's a much misunderstood man, but yes, he and his um, uh, economic friends, they came up with this notion that decentralization could be as effective as centralization and that, I think, is something which is worth looking into. Hmm. Correct.
2: correct, correct. In fact, uh, the the moment you said language, uh, it also sprung another thought, which is music. You have only seven notes and uh, that is the grammar or that is the the standardization, which we have all agreed on or Mm -hmm. probably organically reached to. And then uh, there has been like more than like billion songs which are created without uh, without any pattern uh, yeah. as in like a predictable pattern as such
3: yes see yeah. um we used to have a music teacher who taught who taught us and he said the difference between indian music and western music western mm. classical music that is is that indian classical music is a system and western classical music um uh, um uh, produces products and we were puzzled mm. with that. And he said that, look, you write down the symphony mm. and then every group which plays it has to play exactly the same symphony. There right. may be some change of emphasis, etc., some change of tempo, but by and large, there is not much, m- much difference between one and the
2: other. In fact, they are recognized by that. Yes, like you remember, whatever Beethoven's twenty-third yes. uh, sonnet or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Now you take take the raga, mm-hmm. and the raga is something which is, um, uh, which is a system in which the notes and the proportion of the notes and the uh, sequence in which they are sung is laid down. Mm. Yet we expect every musician. To sing the same rag, not exactly the same on two consecutive days. Hmm. If he does or if she does, then we think that this person has no So in in fact, now the even I as I studied more, I realized that even the Western music is not all that that's problematic. Hmm. The point is that there should be a scope for the participant, whether the person who is reading the poem, the person who is enunciating a couplet, the person who is um, playing a a violin solo, a person who is singing a song. There should be something that that person should get satisfaction off. Mm. And, and the manner of producing in, in a way in which there is no uh, personal satisfaction is something which has deadened us. Then we need much more entertainment. We need escapes. We need holidays because our daily life has been made so boring. Because mm. we have no scope
2: to express ourselves. And and ignorantly, we are also designing or standardizing those holidays as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not ignorantly. It is being centralized, sir. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so I think uh, broadly speaking, if we can say that most of the things um, in the current context, uh, the way we are, uh, we have pretty much standardized yeah, most of the things, and no, actually, so I, I
3: yeah, no, actually, in in fact, right now there mm. are two uh, contrary processes. On one side, there is a huge effort to centralize everything and to gain control. Mm. On the other side, there are millions of people all writing blogs right doing this doing that your your audio gyan is itself one example of that that mm. people are trying to create irrespective of what the central systems say or do not say and these two are are uh, you know trying to find which one will work more and mm. i think The virus also is has shown us some things about excessive centralization, about agro business, agro industry, etc., 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 and of unified versus decentralized systems. And you can see that we will now be seeing emergence. If we are lucky, we'll be seeing the emergence. Of a different model of thought. If we are wise, we will look at a completely contemporary model of decentralized emergence. They call it emergence, something that mm. emerges out of thousands of things that happen in evolution. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think the I wouldn't be pessimistic about today. People have got quite sick of uh, monotony, not standardization. Mm. The standard at the small scale is the useful tool that every person can use in order to create. And I think that that thing is going on. So one need not be overly pessimistic.
2: Mm-hmm. So coming to the second last question, uh, and which is my personal Topic uh, as my personal favorite topic also is that education. So you have been teaching for forty years, and somewhere, as you mentioned earlier, that people will grow. People will try out hundred things out of which five will resonate, or five will be accepted in the society as friendlier. And you just keep this cycle happening over and over again. And mm-hmm. and so, but all this. Is this possible because of like a good education system, but if the education system is also designed to meet the demands of the market and, and like, yeah, obviously market demands profit. Yeah. Profits at a, at a large scale can only be achieved through standardization. So this seems to be like a vicious cycle. And then, yeah, I mean, India has shown uh, pre-colonial era has also shown that, Yes, scale can be achieved without standardization. Mm-hmm. But then, how do we reconcile this, and uh, how can these uh, some bits put into education system to make people sensitive?
3: Yes. So first of all, I would say I will just take issue with one thing that you said, uh, that the um, profits can only be created by standardization. No. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it is well-known fact that India was the wealthiest nation in the world during the time of the production of textiles that I'm talking about. Mm. And so wealth or profit need not be tied to centralized production. That's one thing that we have to put aside. But coming back to education, I think one has to be clear. What education is for. Hmm. Suppose you say that 10 years from now, I will need so many people who can do such and such. You know, so hmm. many people who can produce, uh, let us say, electric fans, or so many people who can run computers, or so many people who can make operate apps, and, uh, <laughs> these days, watches, is- yes, make apps, etc. Mm -hmm. All these predictions have been often wrong, but the most interesting things have occurred when people who were not trained to do only one thing did things which they were not supposed to do. So education is the space where you do what you are not supposed to do. I think that's the first thing that you must be uh, somebody who is rebellious and trying out things which are not normally allowed. Education is a space of adventure, not of management. Education is the space of challenge, not of safety. If one really looks at educational processes, they have to be somewhere where the student is excited by something and wants to know more. And that gives that student her own tools and methods, not somebody else's. She will necessarily read books. She will look at what others have done before. But she will also apply her own methods. And I think this is really very important. Do you want to create robots or do you want to create people who will be able to rise to unknown challenges? You don't know what will happen five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, which will be their working life. And if they are not able to respond, so education, Uh, creates, I think, the ability, a good education should create the ability to, one, uh, observe without bias, Mm. uh, be persistent in following a line of thought, and then being free to formulate the same subject in the manner in which you feel applies to a particular context, and finally, it should it must build a certain fluency, a certain um, in sports you would call it what um, a readiness, a muscle tone mm-hmm. allows you to respond
2: to completely new things
3: enough So that means that if you are training somebody to be a world class or a world champion tennis player or cricketer, you don't train them to do exactly the same thing. Hmm. You train them to be uh, alert and responsive. But of course, they will practice and practice and practice so that they have the muscular uh, preparation. And I think this similar things in all kinds of creative or even non-creative work that we need to be responsive, especially now, because the world is changing every day, the Storms are coming, fires, um, disasters of all kinds, species going out, um, you have all kinds of things and therefore you need very, very responsive people. So, it will be most profitable for any nation to have people who are not necessarily experts at only one thing, but who are completely capable of careful observation and alert response. And I think in that way, education as it is currently sold is something which is a product which is um, uh, uh, making you obsolete even before you enter the market. Most (laughs) of us uh, who go through these, uh, these shops
2: will become obsolete Um, immediately on receiving your graduation degree. Mm. There seems to be like a concept called as interdependence, but I think we have lost that and only dependent. So the big guys, I mean, like in this case of children, one should make apps probably they are when they are in their twenties and forties apps may not exist also, but you are completely training them. So you said that we're training students or children or are we like doing robots? I think the, the students are designed to <laughs> design robots. Yeah. And not really specific. You see,
3: the good thing is that that young people and children have an, uh, a life of their own. Correct. And they do things on their own. And which you never expected. And unfortunately, education is... Trying to stifle that, and we should not call it education at all. That kind, we should not call it learning at all. We should call it um, programming.
0: Hmm.
3: Uh, we should, we uh, they are being programmed to do certain things, like hmm. you know, and then they will be completely useless because that that need will have gone. And I think um we have to create a different model of learning process which in, in which standardization will be useful but it will not
2: be God. It will be a tool with which you can try many things. Hmm. And preferably to start or to experiment at a smaller scale.
0: Yes, yes. And
2: then yeah, and then if it's it's really helping the civilization at large, then it can be probably rethought again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. i think this is also what somewhat what uh, ken robinson's uh, uh, ideology is as well right in terms of education yes 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 yeah. but
3: the person to read is really ivan Illich.
2: okay i'm just making a note
3: <laughs> ilich Illich, his book uh, de-schooling society
2: in mm-hmm.
3: the 1960s, 60s he wrote a devastating critique of education as it was developing then and it has since then got even worse you know for example now in many places libraries are called knowledge management centers in many academic institutions now how i i always thought that knowledge should be so explosive that it cannot be managed that new things come out and they shake up the whole thing, and that is the kind of knowledge that one should be happy to to indulge in, rather than tame, managed, tried and tested methods of doing things.
2: Sir, this is I'm I'm making a note of lot of uh, one-liners which are going to come out mm-hmm. from this episode. It's been superb i would like to conclude uh, with last question is that then how do you envision the further or the future of standardization we can take 50 years 100 years out and uh, like how do you see it by looking at the internet trend as well mm. and by uh, the giants struggling in the long tail market to to yeah build trust build uh, yeah. good products
3: yes Now, I think uh, the present day technologies favor miniaturization, favor the small scale. Um, On the other side, you have the need for huge amounts of money for certain kinds of research. Now this, but much of the even even in the in this situation, some very small groups are able to do outstanding work of finding out new things in science, in technologies, etc. For example, the person who um, uh, who worked out this thing about you could swipe the screen and move the image. He was he was a boy from a village next to Ahmedabad and who Apple picked up. But he did all his, his thought was somewhere uh, from some other situation. Yeah? So you will find that technology is now capable of accepting decentralization Uh, accepting millions of small-scale phenomena, adding up to something which we, we call scale. However, it is the politics and the economics of it which is a problem. As long as centralized huge chunks of money are floating around, that means the major problem, according to me, is capitalism. Capitalism is an outdated method of running uh, economies. And we will have to find some new modification to it, which allows a degree of interconnectedness of the world and still allows small scale innovations uh, to rise up from the from the ground level rather than impose or or fund from above. And I think this is where the 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 problems related to standardization and the potentials related to standardization are the the decisions to it are outside of the production process, outside the design process in a way they are they lie in the area of ethics they lie in the area of politics and they um, as long as we do not find an ethical ground which allows people of all kinds to have some agency to create something then we are not going to create a happy standardization. and But the, the technology is all available. It is a matter which will be battled out in the larger societal field.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I'll take some time to digest this as well. But uh, I can clearly see the trend uh, even in uh, my network. Uh, there has been a lot of... Uh, phd students uh, who are now are not not really asked to to solve a particular problem or fuel their curiosity but mm. possibly come up with solutions which are uh, like duct tape solutions or good solutions for problems which we have created already yes i mean i mean they wouldn't really think of like a new fuel uh, in a sense but they would rather think of optimizing the current fuel so that uh, tesla can read somewhere or or the spacex yeah. can read somewhere so True. even there they they have become more towards application rather than like knowledge, knowledge take yeah yeah Bagal yeah. log <laughs> <laughs> correct cool i think this is a good note to end any any i mean it, it has been a real wonderful experience uh, listening to you i am going to listen to this couple of times more but any concluding thoughts you want to share uh, with respect to education or standardization in general like mm.
3: just both I think my final remarks would be all of us are capable of doing something and to hold on to that sense of agency mm. is uh, very important and we cannot be standardized Do we can use standardization? And I think that is where we have to be aware of the dangers and the potentials of it all the time. Brilliant.
2: (laughs) Cool. Uh, Thank you, sir, for giving your time. It was an honor speaking to you, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. It was great. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And that's it from today's Gyan Session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye. Hello. It's been a great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On this round is on me, Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner, Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuniwan, 1, Sheila is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Nutty Gritties. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcasts.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also do follow us on social media via IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on youtube.com slash Podcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week. Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks guys. Without you, this would not be possible.
3: Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from.